Hello and welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the AM Consumer and Retail Group. Today is February 25th, 2021. I am your host, Chris Walton, and I am joined, as always, by Roseville City Hall's favorite daughter, Anne Mazinga, and everyone's favorite remote learning graduate student, Emma the Intern. I always wait to see what Anne and Emma's responses is every week. It's my favorite part of the show when we do that introduction. But Emma, you've got some new kicks. One of us actually on this podcast was able to get some Nikes this week. Please show the audience what you were able to procure. All right, so it took a long time for these to come back in stock in my size. I've been looking at them for months, but these are the Nike like mid 77 vintage blazer something or blazers. other. Yeah, the 77 yes. blazers, those are nice. So they finally came back in stock in my size. I ordered them through Nike because I just like to order directly through the brand. And I mean, it took forever for them to arrive at my door, but they fit and I am happy. Well, that's better than the story I had. I wasn't able to get my sneaks, but uh, but hey, this buddy, a guy, a guy at Signified, I'll call, just call him Chris, he hooked me up. He saw my post on LinkedIn that I couldn't get my shoe, the special shoes that were dropped on Saturday. And he like found them for me and like we're working this thing out to like make it happen. Like super huge props to him. I was, I was pretty pumped to get my, my, I've never had a pair of Jordans like that before. So I, I like, I feel like I've arrived now potentially once we get this all worked out. And what have you been doing? You've been buying any kicks? How's your week been going? No, I I went through two pairs of those blazers, Emma, and I couldn't sign on. I had to send them back. They were too uncomfortable. So I'm really? super bummed. Yeah, Why? I bought like them for high ankle I, or what? What's going on there? Ah, uh, no, it was like a weird. They just they just weren't comfortable. They're so cool looking, and I desperately mm. wanted them to work. But um, I ordered a pair for myself and for my son. That was like our Christmas presents to each other, and no dice. So. You know, I'm just a sign that I'm getting old and I need, I need arch support, you know, why not? Yeah. yeah. Surgical socks. You need those too. With, Probably. With your, with your high tops, maybe. Yeah. Speaking of getting old, um, the, Mrs. Amitak and I had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to hers, to her, cause hers is today. But, uh, man, I am getting, I'm getting sold guys. I, I threw out my knee writing this week. Like I mean, it's a terrible, your jokes are getting worse with age. Also, let me just, uh, yeah, well, that's put that one joke. No, that actually happened. Like I, last night I'm writing and I threw out my knee. Like I'm just sitting down. And I'm what? Like, what the heck? How does this happen? Yes. Oh, no, I'm man. legitimately serious. Like I, now I'm in pain when I walk down the stairs, I'm just, I'm just writing. Like I'm doing nothing. Maybe that's it. Like I, I need to be doing. Yes. More, probably is it. Let's um, move you out and move around. That's yeah, not good. Yeah, no, I don't know. I it just it it wasn't. I, I I don't like this. It's it's getting it's getting really really challenging. So and your story frightens me a lot, uh, yeah, man. But hey, I think we've got a great show. Like I think the show's gonna be good. I'm calling this the Starbucks Trenta iced tea version of Omni Talk because I think this thing is gonna be like highly caffeinated. Have you ever seen one of those things? Have you ever ordered a Trenta at Starbucks? Have no, you never done that. Emma, have you done that? No. Really? I, I used to work with this guy and at Target. We'd go down and get a Starbucks. And every time he would shout out to John, he, he would order a Trent iced tea, which is like bigger than my head. And it's dude, basically dude, a big gulp, but made it with an Italian word so it doesn't sound quite so drastic. <laughs> it's yes, a big exactly. Gulp of caffeine. But I yeah. think that's gonna be our show today, or at least I'm feeling that way. Um, I didn't even get more coffee, and I desperately, desperately need it. But we've got some cool stories. We're gonna cover Instacart possibly getting into warehouse automation. We've got TikTok creating its own seller marketplace, Walmart doing a similar Shopify deal like it did last year, now with big commerce. 
And at the end, we're going to take a close look at all the activist investor activity that's happening over at Kohl's. But first, we are going to start with some January results in grocery because there were some big, big stats out yesterday. How big, Ann? I know you're asking. But Bricks Meets Click <laughs> and Mercatus put out a joint survey uh, that came out, or at least I saw it for the first time yesterday. And online U.S. grocery sales for January 2021, wait for it, hold it. This is exciting, guys. $9.3 billion. That's up 15% from November, as an example. And more than 69 million, almost 70 million households placed online orders for either delivery, which is the third-party services. That's how they define that. I wouldn't make sure to look that up. Pick up or ship to home directly from a grocer. Uh, it was a huge, huge increase. Uh, and I think something in, th in the tomb of 7.1 billion of that 9.3 billion total actually came from delivery and pickup. So the, the, the third-party services were pickup. 70%. I actually got asked that number on a webinar yesterday. So it's really interesting to see just how important those two things are now in this whole universe of online grocery delivery. But how are you guys reading this? And like, is this cool? Are you buying this? Like that this thing's happening? Like there's a massive trend here? Is this just pandemic related? Like how, what's your interpretation of this whole thing? You know, I'm going to tease out a little upcoming content that we have um, from Ooh. an interview we did this week with uh, Jonah Elan from 1010 Data. And he said something in our interview that really was kind of eye-opening to me as we start to look at these statistics. He said, on average, it takes 67 days to form a habit. And his, he jokes in there, you know, we're well beyond forming a habit. And that habit in this case is online grocery ordering. Now, have habits changed? And are these numbers shocking? Yes, a little bit. They're, they're kind of out there. But don't think for a second, grocers and big box retailers, that we don't have another very large wave and habit change ahead of us. I think post-vaccine, we're going to see some crazy habits form again, the likes of which the retail industry has never seen. I mean, I think this is all almost putting us into this story and the Instacart story today are putting us into like this next wave of retail and how things are going to be different. Because I think that we're going to start to see this hybrid model. People have changed their habits enough that they're going to want to do delivery some days. They're going to want yeah. curbside pickup some days, and they're going to want to go to the stores other days. And retailers have got to be ready to be flexible to all of those things and not just retail. I mean, I think we're going to see this in across all spaces, across office space. We're seeing this in the fitness yep. industry too. Like things are going to change so much in this post-vaccine world that I, I'm alarmed by these numbers. They're surprising to me, but I think that they indicate the a tremendous amount of flexibility that retailers are going to need to be prepared for coming up. Yeah. I, okay. So you're, you're big. This is, it's big. It's like a big sea change for you. Yeah. I mean, the fact to me that January was bigger than June when people were like shut in their homes, is just right. astounding. Uh, Emma, are you, are you drinking this? Are you drinking the transformational change Kool-Aid, which I don't know what color that is, but are you drinking that like Anne is? Gen Zers don't would drink Kool-Aid. Would it be blue or red? What do you think? Like, I don't, I don't They only drink kombucha, Chris. They're not putting that crap in their bodies anymore. That's no, true. No, no Gen no, Z. No one drinks Kool-Aid. Yeah. What is the, the, what is the Gen Z equivalent of Kool-Aid? What is that? Is it kombucha? That's actually a really good Maybe question. those like CBD sparkling waters, like things yeah. like that. I drink um, those here and there. Yeah. Or just like water in a can or something like that. You know? right. in a can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a paper bottle. You, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. What are you thinking? I'm, 
I think Anne's onto something. I don't necessarily think that I'm like that gung ho about it, but I think that we're going to see a lot of these numbers decrease once it's more safe for people to go into grocers again. But I definitely think that retailers are going to have to keep that hybrid model. Like I am sold on just doing a pickup, put it in my car and I want to go or just ship it to me. But I think there are going to be a ton of people that do want to actually go out there and just browse the store without fear of getting close to someone or touching something that someone else has touched. Yeah. Or just, yeah. Or it's just more convenient too. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's cool. You guys, so you guys are both thinking that we're both all drinking the the kombucha or the, the or the uh, aluminum canned water together on this one. I, I am too, man. I think, th- I think this is massive. I mean, and you, you alluded to the report uh, or to 1010 data in the interview we did, but for those listening, we're actually going to have um, exclusive uh, to Army talk. We're actually going to have their report uh, on our website next week. And we'll make sure you guys see that. And I've read it cover to cover about three or four times. Like to me, there's some interesting data in there in addition to what was sent out yesterday. But you look at like Instacart's trend, that thing hasn't 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 changed at all, even though like we've been gradually reopening the country. I think that's really telling. The other part on the curbside thing, they've got some really interesting data, like from Sam's Club, where you look at the percentage of orders that are happening via curbside and Sam's Club. Same thing. It's like setting itself at a new normal and it's not changing as as places are reopening. So I think there's huge things here. And I think it all leads to, which really is kind of our second story this week is, okay, you guys, even you guys have said, I feel like this is the new sexy word. Steve Dennis dropped it this week too, hybrid. Well, what does that mean? How do you make that happen? And to me, we've been seeing it for years and that's why Takeoff is one of our sponsors. To me, it's all about micro-fulfillment. Yeah, I'm going to preface this next story by saying that I fully realize that my show comments are starting to become even more hyperbolic than normal because for the second week in a row, I'm going to tell you that this next story, I believe is one of the biggest stories we'll see this year. (laughs) Wow. You're going to go to the well on that one again. So week after week, biggest story, is this bigger than last week's story or just as big? This is bigger than last week's story. This is bigger than cells, Amazon and cells. This is bigger than cells. Okay. I'm going to say, so you guys, according to an article that was put out in the financial times, Instacart has been exploring the use of robotic warehouses to fulfill its orders as it looks to streamline the process of ferrying items from stores into customers' homes. Now, this is not new. Instacart sent out RFPs a year ago to at least five companies that offer robotic systems that would pick goods from purpose-built dark warehouses instead of store shelves as Instacart's 500,000 shoppers currently do. I have a little bit even more dish, you guys. This is getting very salacious. The report, based on anonymous sources, said that Instacart has been in touch with multiple providers, including Fabric and Alert Innovations, and are seeking to open as many as 50 such warehouses. Now, according to those sources, Alert Innovation is denying that they are doing this, but Fabric is like, we're cool. We're talking. (laughs) We just got a side thing going. It's no big deal. Um, Also, two of the people that Walmart announced, I'll just make that note uh, within the last week. Um, Although Walmart did announce everybody too, by the way. It was like the kitchen sink announcement. Yes, for sure. But but I think there's some key points in there um, that those two were mentioned in this article. Now, Chris, this is also our A&M put us on the spot question. Oh, it is? Okay. Oh, I get this one? Sweet. Okay, cool. So before we get into the rest of the commentary... Chris, there's an obvious benefit in process automation, micro-fulfillment, and efficiency. However, do you see something more opaque and sinister behind 
this move from Instacart, such as a first move towards disaggregation and leveraging their customer data to go direct to consumer. What do you say? Ooh, wow. Good read. That was like, there was like, that was that, that did some different vocal tones, but is that what it is? Yeah. I was like yeah. sultry. I felt like I was in yeah. a soap opera. Um, <laughs> and it's, that was also a great word, like use of the word opaque and sinister at the same time. I've never thought about how all those two words go together, but I like, I like the literary value there. Oh man. Um, that's a good question. I think Actually, I will say this. The person that I think has, the be- has had the best response on this whole story that I've seen so far is actually a loyal OmniTalk fan. I'm going to give a shout out because we believe in whoever does us solids over the years, we're going to do them solids too. And the, the, the post that I saw was from C- Celia Van Wickle on LinkedIn. And she said, when she looks at this, she always thinks about a few different things. She says like, okay, like what, what could they be doing? Well, they could be creating a warehouse model to white label to their current retail partners or new retail partners. They could, as you were saying, partner with micro-fulfillment companies to integrate that with existing retail operations, You know, maybe just providing some type of service there. Um, they could actually acquire a micro-fulfillment company. That could be part of this intention. I don't think that's necessarily mutually exclusive from what I talked about before. Um, you know, or they could create their own network of centers and to the point in the question from AM, kind of become their own retailer here. I think when I step back from it, I think those are all really brilliant points and I'm really glad she brought those up. I think when I step back and look at it though, I think this is more of the the service play where they're getting into this game to say, look, and they have probably such deep pockets now. What I think is really interesting about this and the number you said, I think you said 50. I think that's really interesting too. You could probably build one of these as Instacart throughout throughout different geographies uh, and hit a lot of customers in a really quick and efficient way, both for you and the retailers and say the retailers, hey, we're just going to operate these for you. It's your job to get the goods here, similar to a micro-fulfillment situation, but we're just going to run and operate the warehouses. We've made the investment. We've stood them up for you. We want to be a happy and good God-fearing partner with you. Uh, similar to how they've done all these new things like partner pick, you know, running curbside for Costco, things like that. I think it's the same thing. I don't necessarily think this means they want to get into retail. Like we talked about last week, I don't know that they have to. And I would actually go very slowly into this for that reason, because I think grocers are starting to get scared. But if they can do this and show that they're not heading that way, they can make this even more efficient and more valuable economically for the long term. I think there's a lot there. That's how I think about this. Emma, I know you You and I were talking about some stuff too. You had questions in terms of like how this all works too. What do you think about all this? The thing that confuses me is if you're going to go for this warehouse micro-fulfillment model, you have to acquire all of that inventory from all of these retailers that you're partnered with. Like something that I find so like beautiful about the Instacart service is that I know that I can order absolutely anything from Cub and the shopper can go out and get it. But that means that a warehouse, if I want the same level of service, has to have the entire inventory of the store in order for me to be like satisfied with it. So that just confuses me. It seems so complicated to get all of that inventory into these warehouses. Well, I think you bring up a good point because I think that's what gets lost in the like kind of Trojan horse conversation or the Instacart becoming a retail perspective. That's a different muscle memory, right? But if they're partnering with the retailers like they have in the past, they can get that inventory to those places for Instacart, similar to how they just get it to their stores now. Now it's just a different process. That's a much, much easier thing for them to integrate and manage than them having to learn that all on their own. And I think the, the subtleties to what you're bringing up are really important as you look at this story, at least in the short to medium term, 
But Ann, what do you think? You think this is like the biggest, you said this is now your biggest headline of the year. I said with my announcer voice, since you're so <laughs> sultry before, but why? And do you agree with okay. us? I, I think that I agree with you guys in the interim. Like, does it make sense, especially when you look at who they're partnering with? And that's why I brought up the Walmart thing. Like, does it make sense for Instacart to be like, hey, Walmart, you know what? We'll take on this investment for you of the micro fulfillment center. We'll build this out. And there you also have Walmart equally yoked in that investment of saying like, okay, we you're going to do the fulfillment. You're going to handle this part of it. We're going to work together to reduce costs overall and make this process more efficient for both of us. I think that makes sense in the interim. It's not that, sorry, and real quick, it's not that different when you think about it than like them building out their own driver network. It's kind of the same idea, right? Okay. Totally. And I think like I was actually thinking about what we were talking about last week of like where Walmart really missed the boat being able to purchase Instacart to begin with. I mean, Target purchased ship for this very reason. Like there's not a lot of things like in the mid to the mid to short term, I think that um, are surprising about this, but you guys, the money that can be made when some of these, like, I know it's there's a lot of work involved, but like when you think about the possibilities of the future of what this could mean for Instacart as a retailer, like you're kidding yourselves if every single brand under the sun doesn't have a direct relationship right now. All those CPGs don't have direct relationships with Instacart right now to make sure that their products are showing up, that the images, the descriptions, like all those things have to be consistent on the Instacart platform. And so I think if there's enough money to be made where Instacart becomes that retailer and suddenly you turn this like Instacart warehouse into what I believe and probably got laughed out of clubhouse on Monday night when I was talking about this, but what I really believe is the potential for future shopping centers all across the country. Like it's a scalable model you can bring all over and you have all of this data of exactly what customers are buying, exactly where they are, the frequency and everything. So I just, I think that the possibilities here are too big to ignore. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I think it's still there. I, I just still think I, I still kind of just come back to like, do you need to do it, you know, right now? And then I think then the question too is how do you do it? Do you do it as a digital retailer first? Do you do it as a store retailer play first? Um, I think, you know, there's a lot to think about. I, last point that I'll make though, you brought up shipped. We got confirmation actually that Target is opening up what they're calling a mixing center in Minneapolis as well. And the idea there is who knows what they're going to do with it, but it's, you know, it sounds like it's a new type of facility. I imagine there's some degree of automation. Will they start to run picking and packing for their third-party services through this as well? Is it the same idea and Target's just doing it themselves? I think something to keep an eye on, and we're going to be watching that pretty closely as well. All right, Emma, let's do story number three. All right, story number three is that TikTok is testing out a seller marketplace. So a while back, we heard that TikTok was trying out these new e-com features like a product catalog and live streaming options. But now they've published a page called TikTok Seller University, which is a whole guidebook for brands and creators and retailers to go into TikTok and set up a store, which overall suggests that TikTok is building out a legit third party marketplace. So this this is big. I think this is going to blow Instagram shop out of the water because people have been adjusting or People have been buying things off of TikTok based, not off of TikTok, based on what TikTok influencers have been They're posting. China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and like the original Gen Z kind of attitude towards Instagram shop was like, why can't we just have one app that doesn't have to do with consumption? 
But I think that this is also, this is going to be like a big competitor for Amazon because right now, TikTok, the people who post these things, this big trend of, oh, I can't stop buying things I found on TikTok, they get directed to Amazon to buy these products. But if these third-party sellers are going through TikTok, then that eliminates the need for Amazon. And so is it going to take down Amazon? No, but I think there's a lot in here and I think this will be really successful. Do you think this is bigger than the last story? No. But no, you said, you said, okay, wow. All yeah. right. Fant- wow. Fascinating. Okay. Do you, yeah, I, I, I probably, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, God, it's crazy. I think they're both really important. That's the, the nut, th- the crazy thing here is I think what it just keeps telling me, and we'll get to this with big commerce too. I think what it just keeps telling me though, is that the marketplaces are becoming so powerful and, but I, I do think the whole, the micro fulfillment conversation and what gets stood up behind it, the third party delivery conversation and what gets stood up behind it is such a, like the stories are like almost one A and one B at this point every week. And, and that's just crazy to me. And so, you know, you look at current state of retail, like what retailers are threatened, we'll get to this with Walmart. I don't know that we know yet, but like, I, I think we're going to find out soon, but what do you think about TikTok, Dan? I have to say, I think that, you know, Number one, you have a video first platform. TikTok was always video first. And so I think that they have that advantage. Like if I'm buying the peach bum leggings that Emma's talking about, like I just couldn't stop buying these. Like, are you more compelled to buy when you see a video of seven different women out like demonstrating like this is why I love these versus a static image on Instagram or like going to reels in a different way, like to find that kind of content. So I think that, TikTok has the leg up there. They also, which I didn't know if you guys, maybe you guys knew this, but when I was researching for the story, I didn't realize that uh, TikTok has a content-based algorithm. So it's more tailored to your interests and Instagram is based on who you follow and um, the content and like what Hmm. likes you have and other kind of things. So I think that there, the claim in this Vogue business article that I was reading was that TikTok has the advantage there because it's more democratic in terms of the types of shopping that you can do in that space. So, um, so, you know, I think this is going to be a big thing without a doubt. Um, it finally, like TikTok, uh, influencers are still having to link out, like Emma was saying, like put a link in their bio. So it's still very kind of archaic. And so this will definitely at least move it into the competitive set in this area. Yeah, the other part of this story I didn't know too is just how big of a business this is over in China. Like in terms of, I mean, we talk about it all the time, but like specifically through TikTok, they're doing, they, I mean, they do a lot of the linking out in China too, but according to the story, almost 20 billion US dollars is done through direct sales through this exact same type of idea in China, which I thought was, was really telling. But I think the big question for me, so maybe we just go to the next story because I think it's part of this. Is like, you know, is it, is it, what does it all mean now? Because, you know, we also heard reports last week that, that Walmart was shut out from the TikTok deal. We don't have, I don't think, full confirmation on that, but I think that's an important part of this backstory. And then, you know, coincidentally, they made a really big announcement last week, right, Ann? Right. Lots of keeping up with the Joneses this week in retail. Um, so the next story is Chris alluded to. According to Seeking Alpha, build your own e-com platform, Big Commerce, announced a new partnership with Walmart that will enable its eligible U.S. merchants to sell products directly on the Walmart marketplace. 
uh, big commerce merchants looking to sell through Walmart will also receive an expedited application review and be able to get up and running. And for a limited limited time, Walmart will also offer $0 commission rates, no commission to new platform sellers um, if they meet certain conditions. So Walmart also, you know, as you mentioned, Chris has a partnership with Shopify merchants. So Shopify can, sellers can do this on Walmart. Now big commerce, another major player getting into the space. Um, what are your thoughts on this, you guys? Chris, what do you think? You want me to go first? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I thought I did, but now that I'm saying this out loud, I don't know that I do. But I mean, it's a smart, I don't, I don't think it's a bad play. I think it's like, it's a smart play. It's like the same thing, they, but it's literally the same thing they did with Shopify. So, okay, you're doing the same thing. You can probably get people possibly to return products to your store. And, you know, I know there's financial implications to that too, but, you know, maybe that's a good thing. It makes Walmart more relevant, you know, as people are doing things. But I just, I don't think it's cool. Like I just, and going back to what we were just talking about before, I just think it's another example of like the long tail search game. And I feel like we're getting to a point where we have enough of that. Um, and I think Shopify and big commerce are going to still try to figure that out on their own too. So I don't know how long they're even, you know, going to necessarily need this or they'll start going through other platforms. And then the fact that it like, the other thing that bothers me with this is like, that's the ink on the Shopify partnership isn't even dry. Mm -hmm. And so now you're doing this again with big commerce. And so it also made me kind of go, well, God, you could have done something cool with Shopify Shopify hears this, they probably don't give a crap anymore of doing something potentially cool with you. So like, I just, I just makes me wonder if Walmart's just not thinking big enough in this space. This just seems a little me too-ish. I feel like Walmart's getting a little bit of a run here lately where I'm, we're kind of like, man, it feels like you're losing some momentum, Walmart. Let's try to get that back. And I usually had these big announcements about all the things you're investing in and how confident you are in your omni-channel network. But I don't know. That's why I've been worried about the TikTok thing. Like I, I'm worried they're going to get shut out of this. Even like the Instacart conversation point that you brought up, and I'm, I, and, and it'll take a long time. It's not like a near term issue, but like, you know, you look 10, 15, 20 years out, does it start to come back and bite them at some point? Emma, what do you think though? I definitely think they should have taken the route where they just innovate more with the Shopify partnership. Like this big commerce one, is just pulling in more merchants and more products, yeah. but then your marketplace is just so like expansive that you kind of just lose any sort of innovation within it. So and it's fine when it's a search game, right? Like that's what marketplaces are, but like, it seems like the marketplace world is evolving in a different way now that that's all been done. And sure. Maybe you can make some money on it. It's good. But like, I, yeah, I'm with you there. And what do you think though? The only thing that I'm curious if Walmart is going after here is in the direct head-to-head -head competition with Amazon, are they trying to be the the localized marketplace yeah. where they're actually allowing you the ability to get all of the things that you want, all of the essentials in the Walmart ecosystem, and be able to support local businesses wherever they are yeah, in it's the same stays. space. But don't those same people also just sell on Amazon too, if they want to? I mean, that's, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I still think it goes back it. to the conversation we were having last week about the yeah, sales partnership. I think, yeah. I think it, it depends on, on who you're talking about and who the, the actual people are that are going on Walmart marketplace. It's a good point. I mean, are yeah. the, are your local retailers wanting to be on the Walmart uh, or Amazon marketplace right away? I don't know, maybe not, but it's the, the combining like, forces between two major players there. Yeah. And then to Emma's point, like, how do you promote that too? When it works like a marketplace? Like, yeah, it's one thing to say, like, we're going to promote local businesses, but like, that's not how the marketplace is designed and constructed for Amazon or for this too. Like, it's really just hunt and pack what you want to find. 
right? So, you know, that's really different too. So that's where the, like the whole social thing comes into play too, about how are you promoting and what assets do you have at your disposal again, and to, to make that easy for the consumer and then also make it for the entrepreneurs too. I so, want to yeah. see who tries to make a play for Etsy next. Or like, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm, I mean, I'm curious, like, will they go that far or are they going to, you know, is this where they top out? I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Etsy kind of, yeah. It's interesting. If you start thinking about like where Etsy sits in, the, I never thought about that. Like where Etsy sits in, then we should do more content on that, where it sits in the nexus of like the marketplace discussion, even the third party delivery discussion long-term, if you started like making some interesting partnerships across all the different entities, where would you, where would your mind end up? Yeah. That'd be an interesting kind of visual map to make. All right, well, let's close it out. I think I think this story is a ton of fun. We saved this to the end for a reason, but I'm sure you heard the news that activist investors uh, have reportedly nominated nine new directors to the Coles board. I know this is one of Anne's favorite stories of the week, but according to the Wall Street Journal, a group of investors that has a big stake in Coles are attempting to take control of the department store's board. The group includes activists from McSellum Advisors, I think I said that right, Angora Holdings, Ooh, Angora, that sounds cool, and Legion Partners Asset Management, as well as 4010 Capital LLC. I love saying these names. It's like my favorite thing to do. And together, they control a combined nine and a half percent stake in Kohl's. Now, these same activists had previously teamed up on a campaign that remade the board of the housewares retailer Bed Bath & Beyond. And now they're saying Kohl's, the backstory is that Kohl's isn't moving fast enough to address stagnant sales and declining operating margins, something that we've talked long and hard about on this show as well. I freaking hate that they're doing this. I hate this. Why? I hate this so much. I loathe this so much because these guys, in my opinion, these guys are vultures. I think these guys will make money whether Kohl's succeeds or fails if they have their way. I don't think like the reference point of Bed Bath & Beyond is anything to write home about. It's not like that company's out of the woods. So have they done anything to really help that company? The jury's still way out on that. And all this is, is a massive distraction. So like, even if they take, let's say they they get what they want. I think that's bad news for Cole's employees. That's probably bad news for Wisconsin. I don't love that. And like, this isn't the, like I said before, the, the, Kohl's was actually getting some momentum. You had Sephora, you had the rumor of possibly putting an Amazon grocery store in there. There's some good stuff happening there. I've been harder than anyone on Michelle Gass. So give her the time to do that. Now she's got to focus. So these things are so hard. Now she's got to focus her. I remember when Target went through it, it was hell. They have to focus their entire attention on this. Like they probably have an entire wardroom dedicated at the headquarters to people working around the clock to figure out how to keep this thing at bay. And hopefully ultimately they will, but this kind of crap just pisses me off to no end. Yeah. Uh, like most cold stories, I think this one deserves its own Hulu mini series. Like you right. liked the great, you'll really like the gas. Do you get that joke? That yeah, I did. That was, that was good. Okay. That, was, that was good. No, you're right. I, I forgot my favorite part of this story. Like, but I know you're going to tell it. So no, do it. Go, I, go, I can't go, believe go, I what? forgot it. What? what? Tell want... us. No, yeah. I mean, my favorite part of this story is like, look at who they nominated. They nominated the former CEO from Burlington stores. Yeah. That's who's going to change omni-channel retailing for Kohl's. Like that you have the audacity to even put that down on a piece of paper makes me so angry. Like I'm popping a vein in my head because they put all these legacy people in it. It's ridiculous. Sorry, I'm done. No, it's definitely crazy. I mean, 
this is like a coup happening. I mean, it's insane. And the other thing that you mentioned, Chris, like that they're, you know, really trying, they're selfish people. They are nominating nine more people though. There's a 12 person board I read and they're nominating nine more people. Like how many people, how many pieces of pie, more people, more problems. This is not going to solve it. You need some doers in there. I I'm not against them bringing somebody in who's a little bit of like a let's roll up our sleeves here and let's actually get into the stores and see like what's going on. But man, they are out for blood right now. Like they're going after Michelle Gass's personal jet use and stuff like this is not not good. This no, is this, not these good. things are never they're never good. And like, yeah, you can, I agree. Like you can hit them hard on how well she's done. We have done it. I probably have done it more than anyone else. I will go on record as saying that. But this is not what's going to solve the problem. This actually is only going to make things worse. And I'm so like, that's not good because the people I care about more. So actually the people working at Kohl's and in Kohl's stores. Emma, do you you even want in on this? Or are you going to like just stay away from this one? What do you think? Mostly stay away. I agree agree (laughs) with what you're saying and everything. But yeah, I don't want to touch that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, more to come. I'm glad Coles is like, yeah, screw it. We're going to fight this thing. Because I I think that's the right thing to do. But, you know, I hope it doesn't delay anything good that they've got going on with Sephora and and maybe with Amazon. Because they do. They potentially have the ability to remake. You forgot Eddie Bauer. Oh, right. <laughs> right. It's like conveniently, right. thank, this thank comes you. out after that announcement. I'll just put that in your head yeah. for a Hopefully second. Hopefully, there's a lumberjack on the board, too, after this. You know, it wouldn't surprise me with all the axe chopping that's probably you know, likely pursued from this. All right. Anyway, that wraps us up. Sorry to go on that little diatribe there in the end, but I thought it was important. It's something we're really passionate about this show. Um, you know, it's not always just about how do you make the most money, regardless of who people are. It's also about what's doing, you know, ultimately fundamentally we think is right for everyone involved. So happy birthday today to Taya Leone, Sean Astin of Goonies fame, and of course, Lord of the Rings. And if you're a huge Something About Mary fan, Lee Evans. And do you know who Lee Evans is? I have no idea. You're going to have Tucker. to. Do you remember Tucker from some Something About Mary? The guy with the fake accent? Yes, yes. Oh, Although yeah, he really he is English. He was British. So yeah. this actually is an American accent that's fake, which is also funny. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. And Emma, do you know what? Do you know that movie? Have you seen that movie? Nope. Of course not. No, oh, that's a classic. Rent that's it a, this weekend. That's actually so one of the good. Best ones of all time. I wonder if it holds up. Mm, maybe just like put it on your list for future. It, I, it still kind of does because it was kind of demented anyway. So I think it still does. I watched it probably like a year ago when it was on cable. You got to watch unedited though because it's so much better. But anyway. If you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omnitop. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. And please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And finally... As always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you by the AM Consumer and Retail Group and Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. 